All right. How you guys like to talk like the topic of faith? Yes. Yes. So most, some of you know, some of you don't know. Uh, Sarah and I went to, uh, we did Rama's online training school. So we we were very well schooled in the topic of faith. Yeah. You know, um, we remember you know a lot of the teachings, the audio teachings, the the books. I mean, we've got about twenty five of these little tiny little books they are only about that big, but they're from like Kenneth Hagin and different, different speakers. And they're on the topic of faith. And we would just read them because they were simple and easy. And I think faith should be simple and easy to understand. Faith is, is something that we try to understand, but we cannot really understand it. Faith is something that comes from, from not seeing the unseen and trusting in what is unseen. Here's the thing is, if God showed up to you and said, I'm going to take care of this, you'd be like, ah, totally believe it. But when God says, I'm going to take care of you in his word, and we don't see it because we don't see him saying it to us, it makes us go, well, that little bit of wavering, that little bit of unbelief, Lord help our unbelief, starts to come and say, well, I didn't see him say that. And I didn't, he didn't come up and say that to me. If God said, I'm going to provide for your needs in his word, we have to trust him. If someone comes up and says, hey, here's some money I'm going to provide for your needs, it's easier to trust in what is handed to us than what is given to us through faith. And that, that's a hard thing for us to, to grap, grapple with sometimes because we need to start to trust God instead of waiting for him to show up and then say, now I trust you because you gave me this. Now I have it in my hands. I trust you, God. We need to start to trust him before it becomes part of who we are and before it comes into existence in our lives. But we have an obligation in faith. There's a, there's a partnership that require, is required in faith for it to work. God is always working. Our job is to work with him. So when we don't work with him, there's no partnership. It's an expectation of you're going to do this for me and I'm going to sit back and wait for it to come and I'm not going to believe, I'm not going to be expecting of it. God, you, you said you'll take care of me. I'm just, I'm waiting for it. And God's like, there's, an, there's something you have to do in order to become faithful in believing who he is. Hebrews 11. So Hebrews 11, if you guys want to read anything about faith, that chapter alone should inspire you to start to understand what faith is and how it worked in people's lives. Hebrews 11, 1 says this, Now faith brings our hopes into, the reality, into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is, excuse me, it is, the, it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It should bring our hopes into reality. But the problem is, is we want reality, and then our faith should, should become real. Oh, Lord, if you bless me with this, I just know you're real, God. Anybody had that conversation with God when you were a new believer or struggling? Or you're like, oh, God, if it shows up, I know you're real. Does that kind of sound like Old Testament? <laughs> so... Faith has to be a trust and a belief in who God says he is before we see the reality of it. Think about this. Faith is an essential part of who we are in, in our walk. So if you're a believer, 
Think about this. You believed in Jesus as your Savior before you saw him. You believed in Jesus as your Savior and you did not see him go to the cross. You believed in Jesus as your Savior, even though you didn't feel like Jesus was your Savior at that moment. But when you were born again, was it in, uh, some of you, it was instantaneous. Oh my gosh, life, there's this overwhelming joy. And some of you was a gradual work up into it and like, oh my gosh, now I understand. Some of you was instant transformation in your life and God was, was like, you're just, you know, you're weeping, you're, you're crying, you're, you're snotting, and you're like, Jesus. And then some of you, it was you were born again and then it was a gradual progression of understanding who he is and, who, and what he did for you. Think about it. We believe Jesus died for our sins, didn't see him die for our sins. We believe that he was the son of God and we didn't see him born. We didn't see the angel come down to Joseph and say, oh, hey, by the way, you know, you're, that, that chick you're going to marry is uh, pregnant with somebody else's kid and it's um, not yours and it's God's and what? Think about this. An angel comes to you and says, oh, wait, by the way, your fiance is pregnant. First of all, you're like, wait a minute, what? And then, then he's like, oh, by the way, it's from the Holy Spirit. God's son is, and you're like, I've been drinking. This wine has been in the wineskin a little too long. It's a little fermented. Yeah. But by faith, they believed. They believed that God was doing what he was saying he was going to do. That takes a lot to trust God in that situation. Faith is the foundation of our belief. Without faith, there is no, there is no belief system. We need, our faith is what creates the trust that we have in, in Jesus and in the Father. You know, we're believing for something we cannot touch or see. We're believing in a kingdom that we cannot touch or see. We're believing in heaven even though we haven't seen it. We believe that he's going to bring us into eternity even though we don't know what it looks like. We have descriptions of it in scripture, you know, like, you know, gold streets, you know, you can get up there and you're like chiseling away at it like, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that when you get to heaven. Please don't. Um, I don't think you'll have time for that. But anyway, um, but we believe in a kingdom that is around us and we can't see it, but by faith it's here. That's the great part of what Jesus was doing with his kingdom. He's like, I'm bringing a kingdom that can never die. Not just in the fact that heaven is a place that no one could go and attack and you know, tear down the walls and, and, and take over, but it lives in us. That kingdom, no matter where we are, free, slave, you know, indentured servant, that kingdom can still live in us. And that's, that's where faith comes in. That by faith, that kingdom lives inside of us and it can never be destroyed. So no matter what situation you are in life, you have that kingdom inside of you. You are part of that kingdom. That kingdom is in you because of the faith that we have in God and Jesus. Faith is really just trusting God at his word. When he says he's going to do something, he's not a liar. He's not somebody who will say, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to give you this. He's not one of those scammers that calls you up and be like, you know, I'm a deposed prince from Nigeria and I just need $10,000 to get, myself, get the money from my father and then I'll get, you, uh, I'll get you 10 times the return. God's not a phone scammer that's saying, oh, believe in me, and then I'll, uh, I'll do this for you. No, he's like, believe in me and trust in me for who I am. God doesn't require us to do anything in the beginning except for believe and trust in who he is. Once we do that, then he's like, oh, hey, by the way, now you have some responsibility. You have uh, something to do with the faith that you have. James says what? Faith without works is what? Dead. dead. That is really, really kind of scary. Faith without works is dead. 
our responsibility is to become an active part of his kingdom in the physical and the spiritual to keep ourselves away from dead faith. Think about this. De- he's not saying, when you read that scripture, it, it's a little, but when you start to say dead faith, that's a little scary. That's a little like, what am I doing as part of the kingdom with my faith and my works that could cause that? So we have to look at and say, okay, God, what are you asking me to do? Not what I feel like I want to do for your kingdom. So we need to have faith. We need to have works. That's where the partnership comes in. First of all, is partnership is believing in him, believing that he is who he says he is. The second part of it is being active in what we are doing. You know, I was, I was reading something, and I don't remember what it was, reading something, watching something, I don't remember. I, I ingest a lot of content during the week because I work and I have an ear headset on and I'm just listening to podcasts or, you know, whatever, because I need to keep myself focused. Um, I'm a little ADD, if you ask my wife. Um, she's a little ADHD. So um, it, we make up for each other. You know, it works well. Do we or do we just Skype? We just, yeah. Anyway, um, but I was listening to something and it was, it was saying that Faith is a requirement to become part of the kingdom, but faith is a requirement to become what the kingdom has called you to be. The, the active part of faith can't be just doing works. Oh, I did, I did a bunch of stuff. I said this many prayers and I said this many things. What that is, that's religion. That's not, that's not faith. That's not, that's not faith and works combined. That's just works with no faith. God wants us to have some kind of relationship with him. And, and that relationship can't be like, hey, I see you on holidays, and then we don't talk after that. It is a living, active relationship. And that's why he describes, um, the Bible describes the, our relationship with Christ as a groom and a bridegroom. It has to be that intimate of a relationship that we can be able to talk and communicate, have those, that fellowship with each other, and it has to be that close. And that's why they use the, the, the illustration of a bridegroom, and, and, and during the parables, Jesus talks about the groom and the bridegroom. It's because the, our relationship with God for faith has to be that intimate. Without that, the works all tend to be man-made works. But when it's an, uh, our faith comes out of an intimacy... It's out of love that we do it. It has to be not, well, I'm, I did this, I said seven Hail Marys, and I, you know, I, I, I did whatever, and I, I fed the poor. Paul says all of his works are like filthy rags. And if you know the definition of what that means, our works are nothing in light of who Christ is. So that's why he's saying your faith has to be active in what you're doing. You know, we have to listen to what the Good Commission says. The, good, uh, the Great Commission says, excuse me, says that we need to go and heal the sick, lay hands on the, the sick, the, the dead. They'll recover. They'll be healed. They'll be raised from the dead. Lay hands on people who are possessed, and, and they will be set free. We cannot look at the Great Commission and say, okay, I can do these things just through works only. 
Think about this. If, if you were trying to, you know, that'd be like going to the graveyard and be like laying hands on the grave. Come on up, come on up, come on up. It's a works-based thing. But Jesus said to his disciples, you have faith, go use it. The Great Commission is what James is talking about, having faith and works combined. But we can't take, okay, well, you know, hey, the Great Commission, but we're going to remove certain parts of it. Certain, certain religions and denominations like to remove part of that. Well, that, we can't do that anymore. No, that's, what, that's what's wrong. We can do that still. But what happens is we get soft. We're a bunch of pansies. In the U.S., it's easy to be a pansy Christian because why? If I need water, I can go to the store and buy a 12-pack of water. If I need food, I can go anywhere and find food. If I need uh, help, I can go to any government agency and they will give me help. But in, in foreign countries, they, you wonder why you're seeing healings and you're seeing those things because doctors aren't available. When I'm sick, oh, I can just go to the doctor. I don't feel good. I'm just going to go to the doctor. He's going to give me some pills. I will just take these pills. I'll feel good. But then, you know, 12 years later, I don't know what's going to happen from these pills. So our faith has to be active in what we're doing because we have such a cushy life here. We don't really understand it, I think. I don't think we really quite wrap our head around faith and trusting in God for who he says he is because it's just, oh, everything's convenient. Doctor's convenient. You know, cars are convenient. You don't have to go in down a mile to the well, pump water to bring it back for yourself. You go to the convenience store and you pick up, you know, these and you drink. So our faith in the U.S. has to start to change. And you know why faith is so strong in some of these other countries? Because they have hardship. They have persecution. And I'm not saying pray for persecution, but I'm saying is you need to look at what is happening in these other countries and you wonder why they have such a love for Scripture and they have such a faith. is because there is things in their way that are stopping them from having the th their basic needs met. The problem is our basic needs are met every day and we're like, thank you, God, but we have no faith to believe for them because we take care of them ourselves. Oh, thank you, God. I, you, thank you for this food that I bought and I went to the store and I picked up in our minds. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm dead serious. But in our minds, that's what you're thinking. You're like, thank you, Lord, for this food. But then you're like, well, I had to go grocery shopping for it, blah, 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 blah. All these things, I had to make it. And then we become so dependent upon ourselves and our jobs and we become self-reliant. And that's the problem. Self-reliance is a, is, has become an idol in the church. Yeah. We understand what Scripture says. Too many... Too, you guys ready to get... I'm going to offend people. Um, it's okay. You'll, you'll get over it. Um, what's happening is, is the church knows what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. We know what is happening. We see it in our culture. We see it on the news. We see it in the TV. And we were like, you know what? You know, this is going to happen, so I'm going to be ready for this. I'm going to be ready for this. And what happens is we become so self-reliant, we forget to rely on our Father God. Well, I'm going to store up food, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to store up this, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to have 30 of these, and I'm going to have six months of this, and I'm going to have all this. And it's like, you know, some of that can be good. But the problem is, is we become so self-reliant, we've placed ourselves as an idol before our Father. 
And what, what are the Ten Commandments? One of the Ten Commandments says, you'll have, you'll have no other God before me. And I think self-reliance in the church and in, with it among Christians has become so idolized and placed on a shelf that we forget who our Father is. Our reliance should be in solely upon the Father of what He can do in our lives and what He has done. Sarah, you have a word. Yes. Actually, it's a dream that goes along with this. I feel like God wants me to say it. So I had this dream that um, we had went to a place and, and people were standing up and preaching. They were pastors and they're like, we got to be excellent. And they're like, look at this. Look what we have. And look at we have these lights. And, and they had all of these things and they were like saying all the stuff they had. And I looked down and the whole floor was manure caked. And I said, God, what, I said to them, I said, but what about your foundation? And they said, we're not worried about that. And I thought, I'm out of here. And I, I, I took off and I left. And I think what you're saying about faith is we forgot the foundation of Christ. We're looking at all we have and saying, look at us up here. But when I looked down at the foundation, it was manure. And when you said that, I feel like God is saying, we need to make sure that we're not standing on manure. We need to be standing on the foundation of faith in God. That's good. That's good. So, I don't remember where I was now. We'll get it. So, taking God at his word, the, the, the reliant self-reliance has to start to become reliance upon the Father. He will help you plan like he did with Joseph. He told Joseph, you have seven years of famine coming. You have seven years of good coming. Plan accordingly. But we've become so... The problem is, is we have too many Christians that are, are physically prepping in a spiritual world where they need to be spiritually relying upon the Father for their daily provision. Too many Christians are, are ready to, to hunker down in a bunker instead of relying on God to get them. Okay, whether you're pre-millennial, post-millennial, I don't care what your end-time theology is, it doesn't matter to me. We know He's coming back for us. Why do we, we're like, well, I got to get this and I got to get this. When it is that bad, he is coming back for us. We got to quit worrying about what is happening in the world. Yes, we need to be aware, but we need to quit being so afraid and so, you know, this is coming for us and this is coming for us. And so anyway, Romans 3, let's get back into scripture there. Let God be found true and, and bring every false and Ugh, wow. Let God be found true and every human be found false and a liar. It is written that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are jumped by sinful men. Think about this. Our natural world is constantly feeding us information. The natural world is constantly giving you information, right? You, you have social media. What do you, you, you scroll through your friend's feed and then there's the informational feeds and there's the advertisements and then there's the, all the, the educational stuff that, you know, that might be on that feed or like, you know, random facts or whatever, you know, all that good stuff that's pointless in the, in the everyday life. Our natural world is constantly changing and what happens is the natural world changes because it cannot keep up with what God is doing. What's happening is, is God is, is creating something in believers. God is moving something in believers, and the natural world is trying, constantly changing to prevent what God is doing in the people that are following Him. 
think about this. It, you know, there's a lot of things in our world that were true, and now we, we know that are lies. We went through three years, about two years of, of this is the truth, and we, now we find out that it's a lie. Think about this. You know, um, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, there was commercials on TV and radio that were, you know, eight out of ten doctors choose Lucky Strikes because they're the best. They have a smooth filter to prevent, you know, all the, the bad stuff from coming in. Think about this. You know, that was, I, I listened to different old, old radio programs and stuff, and there's, you know, commercials for cigarettes and how they're, they're the healthier choice for, for cigarettes. And, and we know that to be a lie now. We know that it's bunk. You know, I remember in the 80s when, you know, they had, Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, all these diet sodas came out and they're like, it's the healthier choice. And now we're like, yeah, those are not healthy for you. I'm not saying regular soda is either, but like we, we start to realize that the things that have been pushed on us now are like, what in the heck were we thinking? Think about that. You know, we could, we could you know, be like, putting out commercials today that are like, you know, eight out of 10 doctors choose this vape over the other vape and kids would be like joining in on it. But think about it. I mean, it's just the, the mindset of that, the, the mindset of how we didn't have the revelation of that, how bad certain things were and how bad certain things are. Absolute truth and knowledge only come from God. See, we can have, we, there's, there's the worldly mindset of truth and that's, you know, my truth, your truth, we truth, they truth, whatever that crap is. Um, but absolute truth and knowledge come from Jesus Christ and from God the Father. He is the creator and the master builder and the foundation who is truth. What did Jesus say? I am the... the oh, wow. So if he said he is the truth... That means there's only one truth, and that is him. That is what he says. That is what comes out of his mouth. That is what he says to us, to the scripture, to the church. He is the only way that truth comes. Romans 12.3 says, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned them. God gives us that measure. He gives us that. When we're born again, he gives us the, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a cistern. And he starts to, he, the, when we're born again, he fills a little bit in there. He pours a little bit of faith in there and we use it up and then it has to be replenished and then we use it up. But what happens is faith grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we hear things, when we hear the testimonies, when we hear the Word of God, our faith starts to rise up. That, that cistern of faith, that, that reservoir of faith starts to build up in us until it starts to overflow. And when the overflow comes is when we start to see acts type of things. We start to see people getting lay, laying hands on immediately and them, them heal. We see spe people speaking in other tongues and speaking to someone in a language they only know and being able to hear and understand what they're saying. That's the overflow. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, that cistern that was in each believer was overflowing to a point where they were doing miracles. Paul was doing miracles that were only 
the passing of his shadow because that overflow of faith was so great in him that it couldn't be contained. So that, that measure of faith we're beginning requires us to build it. Faith is the, is the one muscle God asks us to exercise. He, he asks us to believe and trust in him. That requires faith. But he also asked us to use ourselves as an instrument of the gospel, as a tool for him to be able to go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I'm not saying we do it, but I'm saying it's an exercise in faith that when we lay hands on the sick, that we're trusting God. And that starts to build that spiritual muscle, starts to fill that reservoir. When we release faith, it comes back to us. Romans 10, 16 through 18 says this. It says, but have they not all obeyed the gospel? For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice have gone out to all the earth and the words to the ends of the world. Here's the thing is, if, if no one's preaching faith, no one knows about it. It says they don't know because no one went to, to teach them. They, don't, they never heard because no one went to speak to them. Our job is to release faith as we go, release faith when we're talking to people, because what happens is this, it builds faith. Why do we say, hey, let's, we want to pray with you because we want to partner with you? What are we doing? We're using our faith and your faith to partner with each other. We're like, hey, good luck with that. No, we don't do that. We, we partner with each other and use our faith together because we are believing for the same thing. We're going for the common goal. That's why they say, if someone is sick, have them come and have the elders lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray for their healing. Why? Because we're saying we're better when we partner our faith together instead of using it on our own. Le Hebrews 11, 6 says, It's impossible to please God without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So what, what, what is faith? It's those who believe and seek him. So believing, we got that. I think we, most of us got that part down, right? We believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that he is the Son of God. He died on the cross, took away our sins. Yes, at that point, okay, now what is it? We seek him. And, that, and what I love about that, when we seek him, we find him. He allows us. It's not like, you ever, you guys remember playing hide-and-seek with your kids when they were real little? Well, most of you, some of you guys have. I do. My kids are all older now, but you, you're the little ones. You're like, let's go play hide-and-seek, and you're hiding, and you know, you got your butt sticking out from somewhere where they can see you, or your head sticking out, but you can't see them, and you're playing with them so they can find you. That's how God does it with us. He's like, they're kind of dumb, <laughs> but I'm going to let them find me. He knows that we're dumb. Immature. We're immature. We're, we're, okay, dumb, immature. Anyway, God knows that we're a little dumb. It's okay, but he still loves us. And that's the thing is he's hiding things in plain sight for us to find them. And that's how our faith comes is when we seek what the things are hiding in plain sight, 
we find those and it increases our faith and makes us more like him, but it also lets us trust him more. I used to do this. I don't remember if it was with Lana or Layla, but I would put my hands over my face and be like, I'm still hiding. I can't see you. And she's like, Dad, I can see you. I'm like, ah, no, you can't. I can't see you. And I think sometimes we're, <laughs> we're like that when it comes to God's word. We got our hands over our eyes and God's like, it's right here. And you're like, I can't see it because I can't, because even though it's in front of me, because I've got my hands over my eyes, I can't see it. And I think sometimes we become like that. We become spiritually blind to what is in front of us because we have our hands over our eyes because sometimes we're afraid to look. We're afraid to ask what God is going to require us to do. Our faith, not our understanding, is what pleases God. I think sometimes it's great to be ignorant. <laughs> let, let, me, let me lay that out for you guys. Some of you are like, what? Um, sometimes God loves our ignorance because he's like, I can use that. I can teach you. It, people use ignorant as a bad term in calling people that, but sometimes it just means, it actually means that you're unknowing. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not really it's not like it's not calling someone stupid. It's not calling them a moron. They're just not knowing. And God, in our ignorance, can teach us. Amen. Our ignorance sometimes is, is a gift to us because it keeps us from thinking that we know everything. Sometimes God's like, your ignorance is fine because I can teach you through that. I can work with that. Our natural mind is what keeps us from faith. Trying to understand what he is who he is, having to know the details of what he's doing, having to ever, ever seen a miracle or seen something happen, you're like, how did he do that? And we try to wrap our head around it, but it's, it's kind of impossible, but we try to do it. Trying to understand what he's doing, I think sometimes you just need to stop because it doesn't make room for faith. Because what happens is our natural mind tries to take over and say, well, maybe it happened this way, or maybe it was just fake, or maybe it was this, or maybe they were just, you know, we, we, the natural mind starts to put that doubt, starts to put that, that well, maybe it wasn't this, maybe it was you know, it, it starts to, it creates a bubble that it doesn't allow faith to come in. It creates such a, a, a fact-based religion that we don't have the ability to trust in who he says he is. And if you see a miracle and your first response is, well, how'd that happen? How'd this do? How'd this do? How'd this work? How'd that not work? What happened here? What happened there? It leads us into a spot that leaves little room for the Holy Spirit to move. Because we want to know all the details. We want to know everything that happened. Understanding everything or needing to know everything takes the place of God working in our life. It can, what happens is, is it starts to become a, a point where knowing what has happened to that person instead of celebrating what God has done for that person 
creates this vacuum and a void that anything that God is trying to do and just trusting that he is who he says he is gets sucked out into the out of your life because you want to know the details of it sometimes it's just praise God thank you for the miracle and move on you know I I I look at our world today and we have believers who are so willing to criticize a miracle and say well we don't think it was this and we don't think it was that you know i watch these people and all they do is they criticize people oh that wasn't a real miracle that's just that's just they're feeling the moment and it's like you don't know you are relegating faith to what you know and not what god is And when we do that, we start to take faith out of our belief system, and that is the core of our belief system. Belief. We trust. We believe in something. But when we start to take the, the, the signs, wonders, and miracles and, and the, the unknown about God and try to know about God, we start to take faith out of it. The Bible says knowledge will cease. Knowledge will cease is it's hard because in our natural mind, we want to know. We want to know what's going on. Because what happens is in our natural mind, when a situation is going on, in our natural mind, what, what do we do? Our natural mind creates fear, worry, doubt. And we're like, oh, well, well maybe it's this. You guys ever had those conversations when something's going on in your spouse and you're having those conversations and you're like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Oh, it could be this and it could be this. And then you just all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, stop. We've done this to each other. We'll have a situation and she'll just be like, stop. And then we'll, we'll pray about it and we'll just deal with it. Or she'll be upset about something. I'm like, hold on. We'll just stop. We'll get rid of the the conversation about what we're doing and what we're what's going on and start to go back into faith because what happens is our natural ability or the natural humanness in us wants to immediately go to worry doubt and fear and instead we need to immediately say okay well stop this is a situation that we can't control right now this is a situation that we cannot handle on our own we need to step into what god is saying what his realm of faith is saying So knowledge will cease. In our world, everybody wants to be enlightened. There's always like, well, I need just to know I'm going to go on a, a spiritual cleanse and I'm just going to go do this. I'm sorry, if you're a Christian, you say you go on a spiritual cleanse, we'll lay hands on you and cast out the devil. Um, but our world loves to give you information because they don't want you to have faith they don't want you to trust in god they want you to rely on your own understanding and when we do that is when failure comes in because what happens is we move ourselves out of the system of faith and we move ourselves into the fact-based knowledge of what is going on When we try to enlighten ourselves or enlarge our understanding, 
what we do is we become so fact-based that faith doesn't have an opportunity to grow in our life. We don't give faith the seed and the water that it needs. Our job is not figure out God. Our job is to fall in love with him and trust him. <coughs> our job is to not try to rack our brain and figure out who he is or how he works. You guys ever ha had a miracle in your life? Ever had, how many of you guys have ever been healed? Multiple times. So my question is, has God shown up in the same way each time when you've been healed or had a miracle? No, because he rarely does. Because if he did show up the same way, we would have the formula to figure it out. And God's like, I'm smarter than you. He is God. He works how he works and when he works. There is no formula to healing. There is no formula to financial breakthrough. If someone's telling you there is and they're telling you to send money for, uh, for that formula for financial breakthrough or for um, physical breakthrough healing, you're helping, their you're helping their financial breakthrough. I'm just saying. But we need to fall in love with him and trust him first. Overly focused on how things happened is how we gain control of the relationship. When God is in control, we love him and trust him. When we, have it figured, when we try to figure it out, we're saying, I need you to give me the information, God, and then I will approve or not approve what you're going to do in my life. Think about this. The Pharisees, what were they doing? They were overly concerned with what was happening in the world. They were overly concerned about the religious traditions, the ways that they had done it in the past had to continue on. They knew the scriptures, they knew the facts, but they had no idea how to see the Messiah in front of them. The Pharisees were so well taught that they knew the law inside and out. They knew how to manipulate the law for their own good. They knew how to use the law against people. And what happened is, is they left no room for God to move because they were so based on, well, it's written here, so this is how we do it. It is written here, so this is how we have to do it. Is written here, so I am going to force you to now do it the way that is written here. Do you know that a majority of all of the laws that the Israelites followed were man-made? They were made for control, not a relationship with God. They were made to control people into a, a right standing with God, and God's like, there's no way your behavior is going to make you in right standing with me. They were so dependent on what they knew instead of the, the creator of the universe. We sometimes have to be okay with not knowing things. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know why this didn't happen. I don't know why this person 
didn't get healed. And that's, that's hard to deal with, but sometimes just li- being okay with not knowing is something we have to deal with. But do we lose faith in God? He has a bigger plan. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we uh, as believers, read the Scripture and it's like, well, we want people healed. We want to see people healed, but maybe people don't want to be healed. Sometimes it's just, they just want to go home. We had a friend that way. His family wanted him alive. He was, you know, he was good for five years. years He lasted, they told him two weeks and he had five years. And he's like, I'm just done. I just want to go home. He was sick of fighting the good fight. And, but what happens is, is we can't judge for that. We just have to be okay with not knowing why the healing didn't come, but he went to be with God. I mean, really, what's better? Getting healed or going home to be with the Father? Being healed is good for the family. Going home is good for that person. But we have to be okay with not knowing and not become dependent upon, I have to know why this didn't happen or why this happened, God. Sometimes we just have to be okay with God working it out with us, without us knowing about it. Faith requires us to partner with the unknown of knowing God. Knowing God requires us to know that the unknown is going to be there. And we're just not going to know certain things about Him. And we're not going to know how He works or why He worked one way and He didn't work another way. His will is unknown to us in some aspects. I'm not saying we don't know the will of God. We can read the Word of God and know God's will. But we cannot know the will of God for each person's life. We know the will of God is that all become saved, none should perish, that all would have a relationship with God. But we really don't know a particular will for each person. And we have to be okay with that. Unknowing, but knowing that we trust in the one who has it all taken care of. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Place your trust in the eternal one. Rely on him completely. Never depend upon your own ideas or inventions. Give him the credit for everything you accomplish, and he will smooth and straighten the roads that lie ahead. So if your old KJV says, Lean not on, on your own, lean not upon your own understanding but fully trust in God. We have to be okay with not knowing the unknown. Sometimes we just have to be like, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but you're the one that knows. You're the one that's going to deal with it. You're the one that's going to heal me right now. You're the one that's going to take care of me. And when something doesn't come through, we just have to be like, I don't know what, why it didn't work out the way it did, God, but I still trust you. I still believe in you. I still surrender my life to you. Sometimes the not knowing part is where faith increases. It's like, you know what, I just don't know. But man, God is good and I have seen him work. When it doesn't always go our way, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us and that God isn't working for us. It's sometimes it's like, God, I don't know why what I wanted didn't work out. And God's like, yeah, because I know more. Because His will is greater for our life than our plans are for our lives. 
His will for our life has more wisdom in one second than our entire lives will for us planning it out. It's just surrendering ourselves and saying, God, even in the unknown, I'm going to follow you. Even when I don't understand what's going on, I'm going to follow you. Even when the people that I love don't get what I wanted them to get, I'm still going to follow you. Even when I don't see what I've asked for, I'm going to follow you. Even when I don't get what I was believing for and praying for, I know your will is greater than mine. I know your will is better than my plan.